Hello and welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. This is, of course, your source for all things Everton. As always, my name is Thomas Robertson. Joining me, Ellis Nordhoff. Uh, after what has been a fairly positive week, Alice, we've done a few of these podcasts now. We haven't yet had a win to talk about. We then we then delay a couple of days, and all of a sudden we've got two. How, how are you feeling, mate? Fairly positive. I'd say more than that. Wow, I'm feeling very, very positive. I cannot believe what we've seen this week, and I'm just so happy we finally got that first win on the board. And we went and backed it up with another one, didn't we? Two away from home, two on the road, massive, just huge. Yeah, and not just wins as well. Convincing performances in, in both of them. We were, you know, by far the better team, and it's so it just gives you so much more confidence for the rest of the season because we've known that the underlying numbers have been there. I mean, we've spoken relentlessly about XG and how we performed against Fulham and Wolves and didn't manage to score or pick up the win, but we've we played convincingly and we and then we've actually picked up the well three points at a cup win. I mean. Fourth round of the cup is the lofty heights. I don't even know what happens in this round. So very excited to see what happens next. And a, and a fairly favourable draw as well. But before we get into all that all that cup chatter, we may as well talk about Brentford. Yeah, and last time we spoke, we, we spoke that Brentford had had, a, a, they'd had a slightly shaky start to the season. They hadn't, they hadn't been terribly good. They picked up a, a win and a, and a few points here and there. But we did say there was an opportunity there. And I think it's fair to say that we, we definitely seized that. Oh, we took it without a doubt, didn't we? What a performance, start to finish. I just thought it was fantastic. You know, went went one ahead and then obviously they pegged us back 1-1 and normally that's where you worry that we might crumble and we absolutely didn't, did we? And went into halftime 1-1, definitely undeserved, really. I think Brentford scored with their first chance, didn't they? And, you know, at that point we had to capitalise and we had to win that game because if we didn't come out with a win from that game, it would have been so unfair and they did in the end and they really stepped it up and to win 3-1 away from home against a team that had lost once at home in 18 games is just so impressive. Yeah, definitely. That that early goal from Decore definitely just kind of relaxed everyone a bit, I think. Then, as you mentioned, they did pull that one back. Uh, but I think one of the main talking points is we have strength in depth in the striking position. Uh, I think that there were a few complaints when, when Calvert-Lewin came on because it, it was just a like-for-like substitution. But ideally, surely that, that that's what we want. We've had better kind of run them ragged for well, 60 minutes or so. I can't remember when it was that, that Calvert-Lewin came on. And then you bring on a like-for-like player because Beto was doing a good job. He, he's done a good job since he came in. He's still looking flat. That first Premier League goal, though, I'm, I'm sure it will come. We are yet to see Beto and Calvert-Lewin up front, Ellis, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping that it's we will coming. soon. Maybe this weekend before we'll talk about the Luton match. We will get onto that. But having that like-for-like substitution, having that strength in depth, just it, it helps so much, didn't it? And, and Calvert-Lewin gets his, gets his first goal after what's been a, a tricky start of the season for him. Yeah, it's been so tough on Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the last few years, hasn't it? And I was in the away end at the GTEC and there were some worries when Beto was coming off because you don't want to change something when it's working well. But the fact that you can make a like-for-like substitution of the quality of Dominic Calvert-Lewin just shows now we finally do have that depth up front and Beto will get his league goal eventually and he's putting in the performances. You know, he's working extremely hard and he offers a lot and he does tire it. 60 70 minutes so it's the time to bring Dom on and Dom's absolutely brimming with confidence at the minute and I was so pleased for him to get that goal because I think that's what he needed to really kick start and of course as we've seen since he scored yet again and now if we've got those two players and one of them's going to be on the bench then you've always got that choice then to bring someone on and 
freshen up because it's been the story of our season, hasn't it, really? We've not had options off the bench because of our injury crisis and the quite small squad that we have anyway. So to be able to bring Dom on and then for him to score as well, it's just fantastic. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I'm so pleased for him as well because obviously he has he has doubled up uh, this week. He did manage to score two goals during the week, uh, picked up that one against Villa as well. But just having that having that depth, not only does it give you options, it also provides competition for places. It's I saw someone tweet, I'm not sure who it was, that Beto might be just the best thing that's ever happened to Calvert-Lewin. And I, and I completely agree. Not only does it give him the kind of the space, well, it's the space to breathe because he knows that he doesn't have to just be thrown straight in, but then less space to breathe as well because he's been given this instant competition all the time. Competition for places is, is perfect in every team. It's what every manager wants. And I think we've fantastically done that. I think they, they look like pretty similar players. We knew they would be, but just having that ability to have one stretch the defence, hopefully pick up a goal. We know that Beto didn't, but really caused problems for the defence all game long. And then the defence looks at the sideline. He's coming off. Calvert-Lewin's coming on. You must just, if you're a defender coming up against that, you must just be absolutely livid because you're not going to catch a break from either of them, are you? And it gives both of them the chance to to really develop, provide competition for each other. And going forwards, I'm I'm pretty confident in the striking de- department now. I mean, we, we we haven't even really seen Young Chimiti at all. We'll have to we'll have to see if he manages to to pick up some minutes. But he's another player once he develops who will be kind of similar in profile if that's someone we, we want to use as well so it looks like that's definitely the mold that that, that Daesh has looked for in a striker and well elsewhere we managed to score a goal from a from a set piece as well I mean what's better than a, a Dwight McNeil corner for a, for a James Tarkovsky header that's that's absolutely fantastic it's how we started the Daesh era isn't it and it's how it's continuing now I'm just so glad that the set pieces have been sorted they must have worked on it in that week because in recent games, we've been wondering what on earth has been going on with the set pieces. They've just not been what they were at all. And it, you'd think that would be a given with the Deitch team. You'd think set pieces were going to be on it. And they are again now. James Garner, Dwight McNeil, they're my two set piece takers for me. They're just fantastic at it. And McNeil can really put in a good corner. And when you've got the likes of Jared Bramfway, James Tarkovsky, whoever's playing up front, you've got Amadou Onana as well. There's so much aerial threat. And we have to make use of that, don't we? Because how many games are going to be fine margins this season where a set piece can decide it? And, you know, if we'd have perhaps been stronger on set pieces earlier in the season, we might have nicked a few more points. So for me, it's such an important thing that has to be coached. And, you know, we looked at Arsenal a few weeks ago. They did absolutely loads of coaching on their set pieces. Every single one was planned. And I think that's something that's really important. If even the best teams are doing it, the likes of Arsenal, then it just shows how... You know, in the Premier League, fine margins are everything on it. You have to, if you can gain any sort of percentage, especially when you're not one of the better sides in the league, you do. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, we were growing frustrated at the set pieces. I think Ashley Young was probably, he's not top of the, the set piece takers, but while McNeil was injured and Garner wasn't in the side, his corners were looking lackluster. His set pieces weren't tremendous. Where when you've got McNeil and Garner both there too, you know, they've both got a fantastic delivery on them. It, it really gives you that option. And hopefully we will see more of that going forward in the season. I'd imagine we will. And we've spoken at length about what the height we've got in the team. We do have set piece takers. So it, it's something that we we were wanting to see. And uh, finally that that has come to fruition. And while we're on James Garner, we may as well talk about two midfielders who have had an absolutely barnstorming week. Himself and Amadou Onana, of course, Garner did start on the right. Uh, against Brentford, which isn't something that we wanted to see, but he managed to pick up that that assist and then both of them in midweek as well. I mean, what a week those two have had. They've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think a defining week for those two. Two young players who've absolutely made their mark this week. And James Garner, I, I 
I'm full of credit for that lad because he has played everywhere, hasn't he? And he will get his chance to settle into midfield eventually. But the fact that he's wherever he's been put, he's done his absolute best. And we know he's not a winger yet. Against Brentford, he was so important to the team and the way he could just drop in sometimes and help out. And yes, there was a bit of a disappointment when Dan Juma was dropped against Brentford, but we have to concede that Sean Dyche was bang on with that. And it proved to be the perfect plan of remaining solid, like he said, to keep that team shape and it worked in beating Brentford. And then James Garner got his reward for all of these weeks of playing out of position by playing in central midfield against Villa and him and Amadou Onana together were fantastic. And whether he's going to play that in the league, whether he's brave enough to do that just yet with two young players, it'd be interesting to see, but you know, what an audition that was against Villa. Amadou Onana was like the best I've seen him for quite a while now, snapping into tackles, really just using those attributes because he hasn't always used them in, recent weeks this season you know you look at him and go this player you could get so much more out of him and it will come because he's a young player you know not every game is going to be perfect from a lad who's 21 22 so those two I'm so excited for what they can bring and I imagine we'd want to build our midfield around them for years to come if they can stay at the club yeah I think it's it's definitely a good sign for for James Garner that even uh, despite the fact that he hasn't been playing centrally that Daesh wants to get him into the side somewhere that can only build well for for a young player and we did manage to see him centrally against Villa, and it it, it does look like the, that will be our midfield partnership going forwards. Of course, Idrissi Gay he, he's staying in the team. He's not had a bad season by any means. I think maybe some of the criticism that's been levelled at him has been quite unwarranted. We know that the fella's not going to score goals. I don't know why he decides to shoot every game. I mean, I've never seen a shot of his go any anything other than like twenty yards over the bar. But it looks like that will be the the, the midfield pairing going forwards. Gay. Probably will be going to Afcon, of course, in January. I think this is the last year of his contract as well. So maybe we are now starting to starting to see what what it's going to look like in the future. And I think both of them have had a fantastic week. We know that we want to see Garner centrally. If Dice wants him out on the wing, he's more than happy to do that. Which is a, it's a great it's a great strength to have to your bow. If you're kind of happy to play anywhere under the manager, Dice is going to love you for that. And Onana, I'm just absolutely delighted for him because. Another player where there's been criticism levelled at him, and I'm I'm not really sure why. He's still a very young player. We knew that last season when he came in, he barely played. Well, he hadn't played a full a full season of uh, senior football. We brought him in for a, a fairly hefty fee, but he was one of Europe's kind of most wanted young central midfielders, and he's just looked absolutely fantastic. I know that there was probably some interest in him uh, in the summer. Whether that was going to fully materialise, I'm not convinced. We'll have to see how that develops again this summer. But that's something to think way, way down the line. I don't want to start thinking about that yet. But I completely agree with you. I think it's probably the best we've seen Onana since he joined. He's just he's just been dominating the midfield, and we knew he's had these attributes, like you mentioned. We knew it's all about just getting the best out of him, really. And any criticism that's you know been sent his way has been pretty unwarranted, I think. And it's it's a three one win against Brentford away. It's it's an away win. I think at that point we all thought, wow. I mean, this week can't get much better. We picked up a win away from home in a convincing performance. I for I didn't think for one minute that, that Brentford deserved to to get really back into that. I thought we were the much better side. Then all of a sudden, uh, like like they say, it's like two. It's like a bus. You, you wait ages for one and two come along at once. We then go away in the cup against a side who. Let's let's not forget what a, what a month ago maybe I think it was just over a month ago we we turned up at Villa Park and got battered four 0 in a in a game where we looked miles off the pace at that point we were all feeling very very kind of down on our luck we've gone there again we've kind of rejuvenated ourselves we've gathered up again and we've put in another really really convincing performance 
a really good performance and a performance that can't be understated as well. Villa put out a relatively strong side. You know, we're praising the midfielders of Everton here and they were up against some serious midfielders. Yuri Tielemans, uh, Kamara was playing as well, wasn't he? They had John McGinn, I think he might have been at left back, but, you know, Villa didn't play an extremely weak team by no means. It was a lot of first teamers and they had to throw on pretty much all the first teamers by the end of it because they were struggling and, we were absolutely fantastic again. And to see that two away wins in a row, I was there in that away end again. And I remember at the start of the game and a couple of days before, I'd heard about the murmurs of Villa fans weren't too happy. Neil told me on the on the podcast that, you know, he thought that it's likely that Villa fans aren't going to turn up to the game because they just weren't impressed with ticket prices at all for the cup. And it proved right in the end, they were not there, were they? There was so many empty seats at Villa and our away end was just packed, completely packed. And, the Blues were so loud, of course they were, because we've just beat Brentford and, you know, that good feeling's carrying on. And, you know, when you get one win, it's it's easier to get the next one then. And they did just that with a, a great performance again. Once again, we were the better side and, you know, 2-1 probably flattered them in the end because they got that incredibly lucky goal. And I feel so sorry for Jordan Pickford because that lad deserves a clean sheet from these last two games and he hasn't got one. And he must be furious as a goalkeeper because that's what you want, isn't it? But at the end of the day, for the club and the team, the most important thing is we got the win and we got two of them. So a great week so far. Yeah. Uh, well, away games, what's the most important thing they can do is, is score first. And in both games, we did that fairly early on, a lot earlier in the Brentford game. But that first goal, James Garner, I mean, what a finish. I mean, we, we've just we've just waxed lyrical about him and Onana. It was those two that, that linked up again. Onana played that fantastic through ball. James Garner just smashed it in front post. I mean, those two are just on fire at the moment. They must be loving playing together because the link-up that they've, they've shown in the last couple of games is it's so promising going forward. And I'm so pleased for Garner to get that goal. The assist was fantastic. I'm not sure what I'm, I was more impressed by, to be honest. I think probably probably equal footing in terms of how impressed I was. But in both games, we picked up that early goal. It really just kind of settles you into the game. It allows you to kind of dictate from there. Once you're 1-0 up, you can play the way that you want to play. You don't have to be chasing the game by any means. And yeah, well, fantastic, fantastic start. 15 minutes in, I'm, I'm not sure. I know you were there, but I'm not sure what you made of the made of that early goal. I mean, the, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere was like. Oh, it was fantastic. Nearly 5,000 Evertonians in that away end. And, you know, when that went in, to get that first goal is huge in away games, exactly like you said. And Amadou Onana, that that like snap through ball that went to James Garner was superb. And then James Garner finished it like a striker. And we don't truly know what type of midfielder James Garner is going to end up being, whether he's a six, whether he's an eight. He's shown at the moment that he's a jack of all trades and he can do quite a lot. And that finish was something of a number eight would really do. And it was superb and he deserved it. He needs his first goal. We always talk about midfielders. We want them to chip in. Of course, Decore is chipping in and... It's time now to see James Garner and Amadou Anana pop up with the few. And they just need the first to then start getting a few more. So I was well pleased for James Garner. And the thing is, you know, you said about us taking, getting the first goal. Yes, that's fantastic. But I think it has to be said that it isn't a case of just, oh, we only do well when we get the first goal. Because in both games, we faced adversity. And in both games, we overcame it, you know. In the Villa game, at the end of that game, we were 2-0 up and then suddenly they get the luckiest goal I've ever seen and it goes to 2-1. So then you've got to hang on, haven't you? And that is a show of resilience from the team and I was really impressed with that. But before that, the second goal, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, mate, superb. Yeah, uh, I'm so pleased for him. Picked up two goals this week. It's exactly the kind of goal that we've 
we've kind of been expecting from from Calvert Lewin when he was fully fit, just harrying defenses. He's there to pounce on mistakes, has that pace to get him behind, and just showed all the composure of a, of a prime Romelu Lukaku. It was Lukaku esque. I saw I saw someone tweet that again, again. I can't credit it unfortunately, but it did feel Lukaku esque that once he's through on goal, I don't think anyone really had any doubt that he was going to miss it. It was it was a really composed finish because I think it it, it probably looks quite easy, but it's definitely not that simple. It's not that simple to to finish from there. I know that he had acres of space and it's a goal that you'd want him to be scoring, but he did just that. And I think that was just the, the perfect way to, not only was it an early goal in the first half, an early goal in the second half to take us 2-0 up. And look, both, both sides went for it. I mean, there were, there were some rotations, of course, where that is to be expected. Well, I, I didn't expect to see a, a you know a full-strength lineup, but Dice is clearly fancying the cup. They look like they fancied it as well. But as he said it, at half time, it was definitely a positive sign. The, the raft of changes. I mean, Sanyolo had already come on. Then they send on Kamara, Watkins, and and Digne. That 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 can only be a positive sign that we were doing something right. I, I did think it was quite funny that we bring on Ashley Young at half time and they bring on Lucas Digne. I thought that was an an interesting little little parallel. But by that point, they were you know we were both they were full of strength full strength side and we had everything to to cope with that for the rest of the match. Yeah, we we beat Aston Villa in Europe, and I think I saw a stat actually that we haven't knocked a Premier League team in Europe out since two thousand and three four Newcastle, I think that was. And Dominic Calvert Lewin's finish is the one that secured that. And we always talk about needing that second goal in an away game to kill it off and just feel comfortable for a bit and see the game out. Did it against Brentford, and they did it against Villa. And Calvert Lewin, you have to credit him for that finish, absolutely, because he got all the time in the world. And people can say that makes it easy, but it doesn't. If you're thinking about where'd you put it, where'd you put it, and especially with the weight that's been on Dom's shoulders in the last couple of years, he he'd be thinking he has to bury that, and he did just that, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And getting that second goal is absolutely crucial to getting through the game, isn't it? And you know, if we hadn't done that, and we'd have been pegged back to one-one after that incredible performance, it'd have been so disappointing. If we'd have had to go into a penalty shootout when we completely controlled the game, it would have been so undeserved. Yeah, uh, it was a fantastic performance from from start to finish, really. And oh, when I saw Beto lining up on the sideline, and I saw the board go up, and I saw Dan Juma was coming off, I was so excited for a second. I thought we might see that too up top, but it was Gay that came on for him, and, and Beto, of course, replaced Calvert Lewin, but. Kind of a, a like for like substitution, like we saw against um, against Brentford. Once you've got that ability to just rotate very similar players, no defense wants to come up against that. And then after that, as, as you mentioned, I don't think Villa really deserved anything, and the, the scoreline definitely flattered them because then in the 83rd minute, Kamara pops up with that deflected goal. I won't mention who it was deflected off. It's not really his fault. We can't really we can't really get go at him for that. But not at all. Yeah, that, it was a late goal. Really unfortunate for, for Pickford not to keep a clean sheet. And then obviously they were going to throw everything at it after that point. But that gave them the, the chance to get into it. And then well, we just didn't really give them a sniff. I thought we it was fantastic from, from start to finish, really. And as you said, that, that scoreline definitely flattered them. I'm not sure that... Well, I'm, I am sure that that wasn't a 2-1 game by, by any means. Two ridiculously confident away performances in a week, two away wins. Ellis way, I'm just I'm over the moon. I don't really know. I can't even contain my excitement. This is I'm so excited for the for the rest of the season now. Yeah, it's just dreamland, isn't it? Getting getting two big away wins like that. You know, us blues, we go home and away, up and down the country, and you know, we deserve some repayment for that, and we're getting it. And that's 
exactly what I want to see. I think something's clicked with these Dyche tactics. You know, I think we're starting to see patterns of play. We're starting to see exactly what he's trying to do. And this is why I had a bit of faith when things were going wrong. I felt like there was a turning point that was going to come. And hopefully this is the start of a, a good season for us. And, you know, it's a huge week like this week. And of course, we've got two massive home games coming up too. And if we've sorted the away form, which I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but if they can start putting those performances in and the whole mindset change is has happened and we are no longer going into away games expecting to lose, then you can pick up plenty of points on the road. But the next thing we need to sort is the home form, isn't it? Absolutely. And we will now take a short break before we get into that because we have picked up a home cup draw. We also have a massive home game coming up this weekend. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a positive half of a podcast. I don't think we can get... Don't think it gets much better than that, but uh, join us in just a moment where we will be talking about the draw. Uh, We'll talk about the rest of the Cup as well. Of course, it was quite a busy week uh, in terms of Cup matches. And of course, we will talk about the big, massive match coming up this weekend. That is Luton Town at home. So join us in just a moment. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the second half. We've discussed the, the Brentford and Aston Villa wins, two away wins in a week. Of course, when you win a cup game, that means you are on the, the next round of the draw. I know we're not particularly used to that in the last couple of years. Uh, but looking ahead now, we have drawn Burnley at home. Burnley, who went through pretty convincingly against Salford. To be fair, not a bad fixture. I really don't mind that. Out of the teams that are left, um, I know that City went out to Newcastle, but Burnley at home, pretty solid draw. Happy with that? Yeah, I'm pleased with it. It's not, not the most exciting draw, is it? But you don't really want to be playing a huge team at this point. And, you know, you never know when you play the smaller teams if they get massively up for it. So sometimes actually playing a, a lower Premier League side is the best option. And I'm glad we've got a home draw. I think we've it was the last six Carabao Cup draws we've been drawn away. So it's nice to finally get back to Goodison. And, you know, hopefully after these next two league home games, we can have a bit of home momentum. And, you know, the Burnley game, it is going to be difficult, but you can't complain at that draw really. And, for the opportunity to get into the quarterfinals with that. We were just talking before about how surprising it is. The Carabao Cup just seems to speed up and accelerate like after the first round. And, you know, we we won yesterday, whenever that was even. We beat Villa. <laughs> and then suddenly we're one game away from the quarters. It's exciting. And is it maybe time to start dreaming? Maybe. So I'm, I've, I've, I've been dreaming since the start of the season. Mate. I said first day <laughs> of the season we're winning the EFL Carabao Cup this season. That, that is what I said. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really happy with Burnley at home. As, as you said, sometimes when you come up against lower league opposition, they're way more up for it and there's potential upset. But not, not that I'm saying Burnley won't be up for it, but it's a home draw against a side who we haven't exactly started the, the Premier League season tremendously. Will they be prioritising the cup? Who knows? They might they might want to rest players if they're trying to focus on staying up this season. And I think that's pretty solid in, in terms of a draw because there are still some big teams left in it. Uh, I know that Newcastle managed to somehow beat City with Paul Dummett and Lascelles. I mean, I had no idea what was going on there. I didn't actually watch the match, obviously, because I was watching the Villa match. But, I mean, I don't, who knows what's gone on there. Uh, it has major upsets, not too many. Uh, Ipswich, of course, knocking out uh, Wolves, Premier League opposition. Decent game, that one, 3-2, to be fair. But, I mean, it's a, it's a big scalp for them. But Ipswich, I mean, they've started this season tremendously, haven't they? I don't know what Kieran McKenna's doing over there. They were fantastic, yeah, fantastic in League job. One. And, and, this year in the championship, they're, they're doing tremendously again. So, yeah, yeah potentially a, a tricky draw for whoever drew Ipswich. Fulham, ooh, Fulham, Fulham are away at Ipswich, so that, that could be an interesting one. Elsewhere, fairly straightforward across the, the rest of the board, really. Not too many upsets, of course. Brentford going out to Arsenal, Brighton going out to Chelsea. 
Brighton are really That's upset. Chelsea. I guess that is Minos an upset. Minos Chelsea it, beat Brighton. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I, I hadn't even considered that. But mainly across the board, other than those few results that, that, that you'd expect. Uh, apart from, of course, uh, Exeter City, well, 10 man Exeter City, knocking out Luton Town. Luton, of course, a side that we are coming up against this weekend. And just a fantastic opportunity, really, to get to get three wins in a week. That's that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? It would be fantastic, and they'll be so disappointed to have been knocked out by Exeter. You know, I'm sure it's not the biggest of the priorities this season, but to lose to Exeter is really disappointing for them as a Premier League club. But it's one of them, isn't it? You look at it and go, it's probably the best home game we have all season. So I think it's a no-brainer. We have to take three points from it because if you don't, suddenly a bit of that positivity just fades then, doesn't it? We want to get a win here and give ourselves the best chance possible of then making it another win against Bournemouth because that we could really do with that. We could really do with some points on the board. And I think the home form needs to turn soon. And hopefully if they have the right intensity, the right urgency at home, we should be able to beat these. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even trying to sound overconfident. Luton are a side that we should be beating at home. I mean, they're... Without a doubt. Fair, yeah, fair play to them being in the Premier League. I mean, they played absolutely fantastically last season, but they're not a side that we should be kind of doubtful of, of beating. This is absolutely a game where we should pick it up three points. I know I said they lost a 10-man next to the City. The red card was in like the 88th minute or something, but it's still... The counts. fellow that scored counts. then got sent off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dimitri Mitchell with his, his four-line <laughs> celebration as well. I've been enjoying his, his tweets this week, the... Former Manchester United wonder kid is he just is perennially called for the rest of his career, <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking at this match, it has to be three points. This is one that we were looking at earlier on in the season when we 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 kind of looked at the the first run of fixtures and we would have expected we did expect to be on more points than this. We didn't we didn't we haven't that hasn't worked out like that. Probably didn't look at Brentford away think we'd win there. So I mean, you just have to take everything uh, with a pinch of salt really and. Luton Town at home, as I said, fair play to them to be in the league, but I can't imagine any Premier League side will be looking at them thinking, well, oh, we we want to pick up a point there. You have to be looking at them and saying that, that we need three points, especially to keep up the momentum, because as you say, it's been such a positive week. And then if you if you kind of round it off with a with a loss at home to, to Luton or even a draw, a draw would be tremendously underwhelming as well. You, you have to look at that and think anything other than three points is it would be a massive disappointment. Yeah, I'm largely positive about it. You know, I'm excited to be back at Goodison. The crowd will be massively up for it, won't they, after seeing what we've seen this week. And, you know, Luton will give you a game. Of course they will, because they are battlers. They're hardworking. You know, they've got two good frontmen up there. They've played three at the back for most games this season. So, of course, they're going to be a tough nut to crack. Completely different game to the away games. We're going to have to take the game to them, which is going to show another side of us. And hopefully we can start to find that winning formula at home as well. One big worry for me uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is um, a certain scouser who plays for these who may or may not be fit. It's touch and go at the moment, waiting to hear from uh, Rob Edwards on that one. But a certain Ross Barkley might be at Goodison Park. I mean, that would that. It's just written, isn't it? You can just know, you can see it written. If, if <laughs> we end no. up losing, no. if we end up losing at home to Luton Town to a Ross Barkley winner, I just, I'll pack it in after that. I think we should just not do the podcast <laughs> for the rest of the season. I just, I just can't be. Oh, bothered. it can't happen. Um, it really can't. Yeah, but as you said, if you if you look at Luton's, you know, the, the start of the Premier League season, they are. Are they still one game behind? I think they are because it was their yes, yes. rearranged fixture with, with Burnley that didn't go ahead, but a loss to Brighton. I lost three 0 to Chelsea. Losing three 0 to Chelsea these days is not what it was. I mean, that is, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a fairly emphatic loss. They scraped through in the first, well, second round of the cup, 
against Gillingham, losing to West Ham, losing to Fulham. I mean, all the best sides lose to Fulham. I don't blame them for that. But then a draw against Wolves as well, and then out in the cup. They've not had a great start of the season, as I've said over and over again. I, I, I hesitate to kind of just reiterate this point constantly, but it just has to be three points. We have to continue the momentum we've had. It's been two massive away performances. But as you've said, we need to correct that home form because something that we relied on for years and years was our home form. And the past few seasons, that's kind of just gone out the window. And then when your away form has been as shocking as ours has been for the past couple of years as well, that is that's the entire reason we, we've ended up in the position we have been because at the end of the day, we haven't been winning games of football. If you're not good at home and you're not good away, you are inevitably going to be in a relegation battle. But I don't know. Have you got any predictions, mate? Do you, have, do you, do you dare to make a score prediction for this match? Hmm. I think I'll go with 2-0. I'll be slightly conservative on this one. I'd love us to go and absolutely thrash a team. I think we're due one of them, aren't we, at home? We're due a, a chance to go and just thrash somebody. But I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Any win I would take, I'd take a 1-0 against these. I just... We need to get through this game. We can't underestimate them. And if we see DCL and Beto up front, then I'll be very excited. And I might up it to three after that. But I'll go with two. I'll go cautious. What are you saying? I'm going to go with a 3-0. I'm just, I'm so confident after this week. I'd probably predict we'd be anyone 3-0 this weekend. It doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> City, but... yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, City 3-0, why not? No, I think it, I really just want a convincing home performance. Just keep the mood up, keep the momentum uh, and a man Definitely. who we, we barely mentioned, if we're, if we're looking ahead maybe to the starting eleven, who I completely forgot while we were discussing against Aston Villa, man who we might get to see is uh, Jack Harrison. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like we've got a fairly clean bill of health. I'm not sure. I know Mikalenko came off at half-time, but I'm not sure if that was injury-wise or, or tactical. Uh, we haven't we haven't heard from Dice yet, I don't think. Uh, so uh, in terms of, a, it looks like a pretty full, uh, pretty good bill of health. What do you make of the, the start 11 then? Because we have chopped and changed this season. We've seen Garner outright. We've seen him through the middle. We ended up with three at the back against Villa, which we haven't really seen this season at all. So are you expecting more back to back to the, the four at the back or are you expecting maybe stick with the uh, the, the proven method of, of beating Villa with the, with the three at the back? There's a lot of interesting situations with this because they're going five and if you match them with five and we've got the better players, you'd think that could be an option. But then I think there'd be a lot of disappointment in the fan base if we started with five at the back against Luton, wouldn't there? So I think they'll probably go with four. And there's a decision to make in midfield, I'd say. James Garner absolutely deserves to start centrally and perhaps they'll look at Abdullah Decore and maybe go maybe it's time to take him out for the home game and we see how well he thrives in away games, but perhaps we need somebody better on the ball to help control the to control possession because remember, this is going to be a completely different game, isn't it? We're going to have to have most of the possession. We're going to have to carve out chances. So perhaps that's what we need instead. He's got a decision to make up front as well, Beto or Dom or both. I wouldn't risk both. I, I definitely wouldn't do that the way it's going. Perhaps if we need it in other games when maybe, but not yet, I feel like this week, just stick with one up front. And I think he'll probably go with Dom because performance wise, he's just been, he's slightly edged it recently, but fitness wise, he might just stick with Beto. I think he'll go with Dom though, but there's a lot of interesting things to to choose from selection wise. And that's just because we've got options now, which is great. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we will probably see Cavalier and starting, which is, Maybe slightly harsher, better, but I think both have performed well. It just so happens that one of them scored twice this week. So you can't really <laughs> overlook that when it comes to being a striker. I mean, they both perform well and, and better has really contributed to these performances. But when you're a striker, you need to score goals. And I think if Cavalier was scoring, he was probably going to want him to keep that momentum up. And then 
I'd imagine around the 60th minute mark, we'll see him come off for Beto. And I don't think we will play three at the back. I think that's highly unlikely at home to Luton Town. I mean, I think there will be a, a, a big disappointment if we end up doing that. Um, and look, we know what they're going to play. They've been playing the system for a while now. And I think it's always a risk if you're going to try and match someone's system when they've been drilled in it for months and months and we haven't, even though we do have the better players. I think it's always a risk to... There's no point in just going like for like, do what you're good at. And as you mentioned, I, I unfortunately don't think we'll see the two up top because is it worth the risk maybe wanting them getting injured? I don't think so. I don't think you want that. I think you just want to keep that rotation option because it's been working perfectly for the last week or so. So I, I do think we'll see Cavaloon start up top. I would like to see that midfield of Ghana and Onana continuing because they're in you know fine form. I, I do think we'll probably still see Decorey though because Dice clearly loves him. He is a massive part of why we stayed up last season. He's been pretty good this season as well. Only picked up a goal, of course, that early goal against Brentford. And Decorey's always just a weird one, isn't he? I mean, in terms of, you know, composure on the ball and playing the ball, he's probably not the man you'd go to straight away. But what he offers offensively, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I do think he will start. But I think it will be a relatively offensive formation. I don't think we'll end up seeing Garner on the right, which is generally more conservative. I think we will see Dan Juma and... McNeil, I'd imagine, will probably start. He looks like he's back to full fitness again. I'd imagine we will then see Jack Harrison later on in the game, who, I mean, if, I don't know how that, against Villa, I know it wasn't his shot. I know it came off John McGain, but he was so unlucky maybe to not for that not to fall to him against Villa and, and took that one away. And I just want to see him get started now. He played relatively well against Villa. Of course, the side that tried to hijack him from us. I think he will then get minutes and we will eventually see him fully integrated into the side. And there's just now all of a sudden so many options where we were what about a month ago talking about how kind of threadbare the squad was and how much we were struggling all of a sudden we've now got options we were deciding between Beto and Calvert-Lewin up front we're deciding who to put on the wing it's all looking pretty rosy at this point and it looks fairly set up for us to to pick up another three points yeah the options are so important aren't they the fact that we can bring on Beto and Jack Harrison is massive and I think Harrison, he looked really, really, really good against Villa. And, you know, I expect him to be a little bit rusty. Of course, it's his first like, professional top game when it, since he's been back. Because, yeah, he did play for the under-21s for 45 minutes. But, you know, it's not the same intensity, is it? And he's come straight in and he, he played really, really well. He worked hard. When he got it, he looked good as well. He wasn't just working hard. You know, it wasn't just that. His through ball to Dom when he, he nearly scored, that could have been an incredible assist. And I think... The fact that you've got him off the bench, you know, Dwight McNeil's undroppable at the moment. And I imagine it'll be Dan Juma and Harrison fighting for the place on Saturday. One of them will get it. Whether Dyche wants to start Harrison fitness-wise, I don't know where he's at in that point. But, you know, Dan Juma is is one who I really hope comes into a bit of form soon because he did get a couple, didn't he, at the start of the season. And I feel like it's just waiting for him to explode now. I think... You know, with a bit of confidence, once again, we've seen confidence with the strikers, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think that's the same for Dan Juma. I think I'd love to see Dan Juma get a home goal. If he got that, that would kickstart him for me. But to have Jack Harrison there as well, we've suddenly got options and options are massively useful. Yeah, I, I really want Dan Juma to kick on and I'm sure he will. I think he will probably start because we've seen Daesh be not overly cautious. He's stuck to his kind of fitness plans for his players, like we saw with Calvert-Lewin. Doesn't want to rush anyone back too soon and then have them out for longer. It's better to kind of wait a couple more games to wait until they're fully fit. And I think it's all about just getting minutes into Jack Harrison. And I don't think he will start. I'd imagine we will probably see him from the bench. But Ellis, 
I'm feeling fairly confident, mate. I think we've I think that's a tremendous kind of just just under an hour of discussion that we've had there, but that does pretty much bring us to the end of the podcast. Just before we go, I do want to plug our new series that we're doing on our potential new owners, Triple Seven Partners. The first interview that I did with Paul Brown went up uh, yesterday. Now it was a fantastic interview with Paul. I'm not sure if anyone read his article yet, but some really interesting insight. We will have another video coming up with Chris Beasley from The Echo. That will come up as well over the weekend. Uh, we're just trying to gain as, as much insight into these fairly mystic- this mysterious investment group, really. Uh, just want everyone to be fully informed so we all know what we're getting in for, really, if if that um, if the takeover does get ratified. So do definitely check that out if you haven't. But thank you all very much for listening. Uh, do join us next week where hopefully we have another three points to talk about. We're all we're feeling just as good as we are now. Uh, but Ellis, thank you very much as always. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we will see you all next week. Goodbye.